On today's show, our guest is Matt Stallone. Matt is an award-winning Gen Y entrepreneur who runs several businesses. His story starts off rather bumpy, and it will make you question yourself and your ability to deal with what he had to go through. But don't worry, it's not all bad. Just a boatload of stuff to deal with as a young bloke. Matt made it onto the other side of his challenges and has achieved incredible success in a relatively short period of time. And as you'll see, that's no accident at all. His dedication to excellence and providing his customers with the absolute highest quality products has been critical to the growth of his business. Matt was awarded Business News Australia's Young Entrepreneur of the Year in Wholesaling, Manufacturing and Distribution in both 2015 and 2016. And he was shortlisted for the Optus and Telstra Business Awards in 2016 in the Queensland Micro Business category. Matt's enthusiasm for life and his dedication to business and providing the very best for his customers is infectious. And I know that you're going to learn a lot from his go all in story. Please help me in welcoming Matt Stallone. Hey, are you totally committed? Are you playing full out? Are you all in? Hi, my name is Robert Brass and this is the Go All In Podcast. Join me as we explore amazing stories of success, heartache and absolute triumph by those who have gone all in. I'm glad you're here, so let's get to it and do whatever it takes to go all in and create the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show, mate. It's great to have you here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to uh, be sitting down and chatting to you. All right. Well, I'd like to start off all of my shows with a quick little get to know you quiz that helps warm us up in a rapid fire way. It calms down the nerves a little bit. Maybe some of your friends and family and the people listening will learn something about you that they don't already know. You ready? It's a bit dangerous, but yeah, all right, let's do it. (laughs) All right, man. In no particular order, just random stuff. Just tell me the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Yep. First one, man, you're in the health and fitness industry. So what is it for you? Is it vegan or paleo that you prefer? Vegan, for sure. Nice one. Cardio or weights? Cardio. Cool. Early to rise or late to bed? Early to rise. <laughs> oh, really? You're not a night owl? I used to be, but I have definitely been transforming myself in the last six months to stop that really bad habit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bad habit of coffees and Tim Tams in, in the evening. That's what I have to stop. That's <laughs> yeah. A bit earlier to cut that out. Perfection or execution? Execution, for sure. Do you prefer writing content or speaking engagements? Speaking, definitely. Nice one. Would you prefer to be in the office working away or out networking, building new relationships, meeting new clients? In the office, yeah. Would you say you're old school or new age? New age, man. New New age, age. spiritual alternative, man. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't have the the top knot and the beard, man. Actually, man, I was growing one and then I was like, what the hell am I doing? I had a beard. I was like, yeah. You had the full hipster thing going on. Yeah, my mum um, came and visited me. And she's like, no, that's not happening. She pulled so you I up. Decided, yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. No one else would, but I wish my mates would because I look at photos of me and what was I thinking? We love anyway. our mum. It's grounded, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, muscle cars or electric cars? Oh, muscle cars. Nice. Muscle cars. Last one, serious one. Meditation or contemplation? That's a good one. I will say meditation 
Nice one. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. A little bit of fun to kick it all off. Well, people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, please, Matt, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Okay, yeah, I've got, uh, I guess, do you want the long, long version or the short version? Because my Go All In story is, starts when I was, a young lad and kind of and still going to this day, I guess. So it's uh, a <laughs> well, yeah, go all in background. story by itself, right? It's a full on long one. Yeah. So tell me the juicy yeah, for sure. one. That's what I want to hear. The juicy. Oh, this is a good one. Then yeah, I'll tell you the story. So through my teenage years, I was a bit of a wild child, I guess you could say. I'm not sure why or how or what I'll, the reasonings behind that. I guess I'm still discovering that. But one thing that I kind of always, I guess I realized is I had a, a chip on my shoulder is what people would say to me. It's like I was always trying to prove myself to people or to the world. I guess I was seeking validation in certain ways. And by the time I was 19, I was a, a father. I had my son at 19 and I was hanging around with not the greatest people. I was doing not the greatest things. I was, yeah, to the point in my early 20s where I almost went to jail. When I say that, I was choosing to do things that were definitely frowned upon and I was getting in trouble for that. I was also a single dad as well at that stage. What were you uh, into, man? You can't just brush over it. Yeah, okay. You get that's yourself a, in trouble. Yeah. You're behaving badly with the police. Yeah, I was growing I, So I grew up in northern New South Wales, which a place near Nimbin, Nimbin. And yeah, I was selling drugs yeah I was barely into that and I guess I thought at that time in my life that I was achieving something because I was making money and I was addicted to it because when I was younger I thought success and you know all those sort of things that come with it just it was a financial thing so while I could make easy money it became easier and easier for me the compromise was my freedom the time with my son all those sort of things the greed kind of got to me I was all constantly looking over my shoulder, paranoia, things that came out of me that I didn't know I had inside me. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really like the person I was becoming because I was so caught in that deep vortex of the chase uh, and the addiction to the adrenaline of it all. I needed a real reality check and I needed to hit rock bottom. And that came in the form of my mother coming to visit me. My son was probably around three years old, three or four years old at the time. And uh, I was out doing a bit of a run somewhere in a state. I think I was doing a bit of a deal. And my mum was looking after my son and I came home and my mum had microwaved about $16,000 worth of cash in a, a bit of mints that was in my, my freezer and ruined some of the cash. And I lost my mind at my mum. I turned into an absolute, I didn't even know who I was. Later on that night, I came home um, and my mum and myself sat down and we talked about things. And I just, I don't know, it was like I hit rock bottom. I realised, I just had this massive realisation, like I needed to change my life. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a good person. I didn't like who I was either and I knew it. Yeah, so that was kind of the pivoting moment. And that's when I went, when you say the whole all in, that's when I went all in. And when I say all in, I mean... I had to transition and change myself through very deep, deep things and habits that I've been doing for so long, you know, changing your personality and 
everything about yourself is it's actually hard to do that introspect and realize what you don't like about yourself going all in meant for me to move away from that community everyone cutting off ties severing ties from people toxic relationships again it was also a health and spiritual journey which kind of led me into where i am now so i went i moved to brisbane a week after this all kind of went down we sat down and packed up my house turned my phone off cut my ties and left it all behind me which was very hard for me because I had a lot of anxiety and depression. It was like post-traumatic stress disorder almost, I would say. I couldn't leave the house. I wasn't used to a quiet life. I wasn't used to not looking behind my back and being fearful of things. And it was actually really scary for me. And to find silence and find boredom and find, then realise that I had to work a nine to five and make 500 bucks a week and put my son into after school care and all those sort of things. Like there's so much temptation to go back to that easy life. And then I, yeah, started getting into fitness and health and getting my mind right, seeing counsellors, reading lots of books and, you know, just building myself back up and going back to that going all in. That was all a part of that because I was do or die for me. I was either going to be another statistic, you know, my son going probably looking, getting looked after by my parents and me being in jail or me being doing something stupid, you know, really having to change my life for the better. And I kind of now, my son's like a blessing to me because I realised that if it wasn't for him in my life, I probably wouldn't have done what I'm doing now. Well, man, that's a, uh, a deeply personal story. And thank you for sharing that with us and having the guts and the vulnerability to share that, man. You know, like everybody looks at success and thinks that you're doing really well in business and it's, you know, but you forget everybody comes from somewhere and people mm. start somewhere and it's difficult to start i can relate to a lot of what you're talking about from my military background you go from a job where the last posting that i had was over at the parachute school and i was lucky very very lucky in my military career and you go from one day jumping out of airplanes six or seven times a day just running amok with your mates having the best time ever and just an incredible life to all of a sudden you're taken away from your, your mates who are really like your family and you're in this boring civilian world where you've got to go to work and go home and you've got to try and make a life for yourself. And it, it is deeply, deeply changing to a person. And, you know, if you've been doing the one thing, it doesn't matter if you were doing, I think, like what you were talking about on the wrong side of the law, doing the wrong thing, or you're in a job like I had where I'm with my mates and it's full of adrenaline all day, every day. If, if that just comes to a grinding halt and stops, it's difficult for a person to move on. And it really takes a lot of time to actually make that happen. How long did it take you to, to make a transition? Did you start to discover yourself in six months, 12 months? Was it just a couple of weeks or even just a few days? What was it? Uh, look, honestly, it was years. Yeah, it was years. It was years of practicing. It was years of patience. It was years of determination as well and, and being pretty resilient, I guess, because you know there were so many worldly things that were constantly tempting me and wanting, and I could feel that. I could feel the old me inside me. And I still do to this day, like yeah. things coming out of me and the way I used to deal with things. So it was a lot of, yeah, it was years, man. Like honestly, years. I, I think I moved to Brisbane in when I was maybe uh, 25 or something like that. So yeah, at least a couple of years of hard, hard work for myself. Yeah. They say for a, um, I mean, it's no real comparison to what you're doing, but they say for a, someone in the military, it takes you two years to transition for every five years that you were in. And yeah, I did nearly 10 years. 
And it took me four or five years to kind of find myself and realize that I didn't have to be like that I was in my previous life. And that's what you're describing. But then I heard somebody say one day that, hey, there's no such thing as an ex-soldier. And I kind of just resided myself to the fact that you never you're never going to change where you came from or where you started. And that's exactly what you're describing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think you should just acknowledge that, whether it's good or it's bad. In some ways, being in the military as a young bloke is a very kind of institutionalizing experience. It's a bit of, some people would say that you were brainwashed and I would, you know, as I get a little bit older and become a bit more of a hippie, I would tend to agree with that. <laughs> uh, you know, but you, you, it doesn't matter where you come from. You can't forget where you started. And I think it's no, that's right. to acknowledge those things. That's pretty cool. Well, that was a, an all-in commitment. What did yeah. it feel like to pivot? And when you got on the ground in Brisbane, can you remember you got into the new place, new house, you settle in with your son, get him into school and work out all those things, find a job. What did it feel like that it was all gone? Did you feel like you'd lost something or did you feel like you were starting something new? Man, I was scared to my bones. At the time, I did not want it. So... Right. When I say that, I, I didn't want to feel the feelings that I was feeling, you know. And like I said, that fear of actually having a crack at life, it really freaked me out. I slowly became more and more happier with my choices. Things started to fall in place, but I had a lot of mental health issues which were constantly showing up, you know, like that anxiety and depression and was really significant in probably the first 12 months of moving to Brisbane and changing my life. And it was when I got my first job and found the house and settled in and things like that, like there was daily improvements and I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. but it was still a very far, far, far away from me at that time. It's all about progression, isn't it? It's about incremental growth, whether that's personal, in business, in your relationships. I feel like if you're not growing, you're dying. And, you know, mm. you don't want to remain stagnant in your life in anything that you do. And, and growth is painful. Giving birth to something is painful, whether that's yeah. learning something new or becoming a new person. It, it's difficult to do. Take me on the journey of starting the business and tell me what it was. When you must have decided at some point, hey, I don't want a job. I don't want to be working for somebody else. I want to work for myself and I'm going to do it the right way this time. I'm not going to be selling drugs. I'm going to be selling <laughs> good stuff, right? Good stuff, yeah. Well, a background to that too is with my life is my dad's a naturopath. My parents moved me from, well, moved the family from Western Sydney when I was younger and we, my parents bought an organic farm as well. So my parents also started a health food store in 2000. So, you know, through my whole life, I grew up in a health food store, okay? My, my family's always been in the health food industry at some point and I grew up a vegetarian I mean, I was always live off the land, eat good, live good, feel good, you know. So I had really, in that sense, my upbringing obviously led me to where I was, where I am today and my interests, I guess. But at that time, I resented everything about it. But I didn't because, you know, like as you do when you're a teenager. Teenagers resisting their parents is pretty par for the course. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I don't want to eat this broccoli. I want to eat a Macca's burger. Why can't I just uh -huh. bloody eat Macca's, you know? Like, Bad for you, boy. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so... So when I moved to Brisbane, the only thing I, I knew and anything I was really passionate about was health food, health food, fitness. So I found a, a job in a health food store, helping running the, the stores. And that was great, a part of the journey. But I also always knew that I would, had a purpose, right? I, I felt like I, because I had done so much previous to that, I was independent in the sense of I, I could make my own money. 
and I knew how to. And the, the tools I learned from the things I did, distribution, um, <laughs> networking, dealing yeah. with all sorts of people, emotional intelligence, you know, like when I walk into a room, I can pick someone immediately. I know exactly who to look for and who not to look for which is, I don't know how, what sort of tool you would say that is. But anyway, all these sort of things, I didn't realise all these things at the time, what I learned from the experience that I had. So I, there's this resonating thing that just kept playing in my head, right? Um, as the months went past working for someone else, I just, it, it didn't sit well with me. I wanted to do better. I wanted to do more. So I then challenged myself and I went for a job at a pharmacy. And I got the job as a vitamin consultant where I was selling stuff to people. I was, you know, um, trying to sell supplements and proteins and all sorts of stuff. These people that are coming in quite sick, some of them. And I was always told I had to recommend certain products. And and I sort of started seeing the industry and, and what I didn't like about the industry, what I didn't like about the big boy club and kickbacks and all these things that happen behind the scenes that a lot of people, I don't like the way that some of the brands operated and I definitely didn't like some of the ingredients that were in these products that were, these people coming in, we're trying to give them health, healthy alternatives, but we're giving them shit. That's how I felt. So I wasn't very happy with that. And with that fueling in the back of my mind, along with, I know I can do something for myself. There's this higher calling for me. I need to do this. I'm not, I can't work for someone else. It's just the way I always was, I think. It just got louder and louder to the point where my depression was just so strong. I, I was suicidal almost. Like I was just like, no, if you don't get out of this, Matt, you've got to escape. You've got to get out of here. So one, one day, I, um, it's a kind of crazy thing. I don't know if you know Brisbane and you know the story of Bridge. I was driving to work and I just, I was just sick. I was so sick in my guts. I didn't want to be there and I knew I wanted to do something for myself. So I had a panic attack on the Story Bridge. I actually did a U-turn peak mid traffic in the middle of the morning, people honking at me and I just drove home, rang my boss and I was like, I can't come in today. And I've spent the rest of the day writing out this plan, what I'm going to do with my life. And the only thing I could think of is, these supplements, these products, I, I, I know, I think I can make a better product. I think I can do this, but how the hell am I going to do that? So that's when it really just like I knew that was it. That was my purpose and this is what I'm going to dedicate myself to. So the next day I went into my work and I quit. I went in and said, Look, I'm going to start my own protein company, my own brand and everyone kind of laughed and like, oh, look at all these brands here. Like you think you got no money. You know, you, what do you know about business? You know, all those sort of things that people, you know, they usually project their own fears onto you, of, you know, jumping in the deep. And, you know, I think I had about five grand of my own cash saved after all my stupidity in life, uh, buying flash cars and wasting on stupid things like strippers and eating dinners out, you know, all the stuff you think you're really cool doing when you're younger. So I, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that was the next step where I kind of realized, yeah, and that's when I committed to it. Like I had, the ambition and the drive was there and it, it just uh, I found that natural course. I'm, like, I'm going to do this and I guarantee I'm going to do it. I'm going to not stop doing it until I get to where I am, where I want to be. So, yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. You know, virtually every entrepreneur has always had a, that I speak to has had a yearning to do something more. It's a rare person that I encounter that says, Oh, one day I just decided I was going to be an entrepreneur. It's usually something that's innate within most people that are in business for themselves that they always wanted to do it a better way. And I heard an interesting story from a guy the other day. It's a lot like 
what you said. And, and I think a lot of people could relate to what you're talking about in a, in a soul destroying job. And sometimes it's the job, sometimes it's the corporate world and sometimes it's a yearning that people have. And this particular guy was telling me that he'd be on the train on the way to work and he'd have his face up against the window, you know, pressed up against the window. And he would just be hoping that the train would not stop at the platform that, or at the station that he had to get off at. And the train would stop, you know, and he'd peel himself off the window and <laughs> just drag his sorry ass into work. And one day he was, he was tossing and turning in the middle of the night. And he was like, that's it. He got up, got out of bed. And exactly the same thing as what you just described there. He had an epiphany. He didn't do a U-turn into traffic or something crazy like that that you're describing, but he was, sit, he was up late at night. He just couldn't sleep in the same thing. And I think anybody that's got a, a feeling or a yearning towards doing something for themselves will have that realization along the way. And please don't do crazy U-turns in the traffic or <laughs> silly when you're doing that. If you're doing it, yeah. make it happen. Tell me, mate, what about you'd made a lot of poor decisions in the past and now you yeah. are making some really solid decisions and yeah. they, were, they seemed to be coming off here well for you. You turned your life around and things were going really well. Now you'd made a decision just to go all in and dive in and have a crack at it and do it. And you decided that you were going to do it and keep doing it until it worked no matter what. What did that feel like when you made that decision and you finally decided to do it? Did you feel like you were relieved or was it something else? Yeah, look, I honestly, um, out of contentment, I felt like I, I found my purpose in life. So for me, it was quite fulfilling and overwhelmingly happy at the time because, you know, I guess I identified that I'd been lost for a very long time and because I didn't know who I was or what I was. And I started discovering all of those sort of things through those really hard times and processing and uh, introspect again and things like that. So yeah, in, totally empowering, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Does it feel, still feel like that for you today? <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, like you're saying about growth is pain. It's something that resonates pretty strong with me right now. I most definitely do. You know, the last seven, eight years of running companies and, and the, what, we've gone through as a team here and for me personally as well through this process. And man, man, it is, if only people could see inside my mind and in my heart and, and see all the things that have happened, it's just no matter what, how shit the times have been here, there's always something to take away from it. And I think that being mindful of that is always, you know, there's always something to take away from it, all the experience, good or bad with business or in your personal life too. So yeah, I still feel that way very much definitely because it's shaped me into who I am and I'm very happy in my skin. Yeah. It's a challenging question I ask and I ask it deliberately because as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you don't really think about it much. But if I ask you, you'll go, mm. yeah, it still feels really empowering. It still feels really good. Tell me about your first yeah. product, mate. You, did you have some third-party involvement in your first product? You didn't dive straight into manufacturing yourself, did you? You created those protein supplements <coughs> and the products with third parties, right? Yeah, correct. So when I first started the business, I, thankfully, I got a little bit of help. So I was on single parenting pension. I had no income, obviously. So Centrelink, thank you to the Australian government for having such wonderful resources for us Aussies, especially mm -hmm. ones that are trying to do the right thing. Mission Australia had a, the NICE program, the New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. So that's not a free plug either. I'm just telling you guys what I did. So, um, nice. which is awesome because I had well, a great idea. If it's helping you like that, that's, um, that's mate, it, awesome. helped, it helped me incredibly. So they, yeah. they basically partnered with a mentor of some form and they put you through a small business management course which helped me put together my business plan because I had no idea about that sort of stuff. I just was like, all right, I've got an idea. Let's just go for it. Didn't really think about 
budgets and marketing and strategy and all those sort of things that you kind of just don't really think about. So I guess that, that it helped me through the start of it. But yeah, I, when I first started, I was in my garage at home. I remember I bought a pallet of product, which is uh, my whey protein isolate, which is our original product. And one guy in Sydney, I know very who's still a very good friend of mine now gave me a hunch. I got on the phone and one day just rang him out of Googling a few people and I said, hey, mate, here's my idea. This is what I want to do. Had didn't know me for a bar, had no idea who I was and just said, yep, I believe in this. I'm going to hook you up. So he um, gave me a really good braid on some protein, sent it up to me and I'm sitting in my garage at home looking at this 500 kilos of product. It's going, this is my life savings. That's a lot, right? How the frigging hell am I going to sell this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so third party, it, went, it kind of evolved from there. So I got the rush again because I was going around to every single person I could to sell this product. It was nice white powder, felt good, and I was making cash. So I was like, okay, cool, I'm in my zone again. People were coming to my door, knocking on it, and I was going to gyms, I was going to health foods, I was going anywhere and everywhere wearing really nice suits, what I thought. You know, like I was trying so hard to just get in there wherever I could and yeah, that's kind of where I started and it kind of evolved from then where I got third-party manufacturers to assist with packaging and, and making products for us too. So, when, when was it that you decided to take the leap and manufacture your own products? Yeah, about the second year of the business. Basically, what happened in a nutshell is we couldn't keep up with the demand, which is a good thing always. Great thing. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't very sustainable. We had massive quality issues as well. And not only that, there was some questionable activity from a couple of the manufacturers as well. And I, I wasn't tr- very trusting. You know, for me, if I'm, if I'm going to sit there, I don't know if anyone knows about the brand now, but, you know, my thing is I'm very, it's much about, about integrity. It's about honesty, transparency. And if I'm going to say my stuff's the best, I need to make sure it is. So, you know, for me, it was just a, a natural evolution anyway for me to go in again, all in, and go and invest in my own infrastructure to make my own products. And then I had full control over what I was doing, which was great. It was very painful because when you do that, contract manufacturers usually won't even tell you about this, but intellectual property. When you go, hey, thanks for coming. I want to take my product elsewhere. Then they usually will say, to you, well, you don't own the recipe. So good luck, mate. Or you got to pay me $100,000 and I might release that intellectual property to you. So I had to, I learned a very painful lesson at the start of that is, again, about transparency and honesty with people as well and not understanding contracts and how things work. So we basically had to rediscover our brand from the ground up. I had to put on food technologists. I had to get the right production people in for quality. You know, there was so much stuff that... which again, has built the foundations of the brand and the products now. Without that, you know, we still wouldn't know what we're doing. So what's in our product? So, yeah. You seem like a really uh, a self-sustaining guy. Like you, you work hard yourself. You know how to get a result. You know what your capabilities and limitations are. And when you've got something good, you know how to get it out there and, and make it happen. But business doesn't happen by itself. And all business owners like to maintain control and you know in small business especially you end up doing everything everybody does everything how did it feel for you when you started employing people and then (laughs) you started outsourcing those roles and you had to relinquish some of that control and suddenly it wasn't you doing all of that and those people weren't as good at it as what you were how did that feel oh mate it was one of the hardest things ever done in business and still to this day you know managing people and creating a team is and the right culture and finding the right people that suit the culture and the 
what you're trying to achieve. It's an absolute challenge. And I can understand why a lot of business owners get disenchanted with this sort of stuff. Look, yeah, it was incredibly hard for me, but I realized, and, you know, throughout the eight years again, there's times I still feel like this, but you can't be an octopus. You're not good at everything and you need to be honest with yourself because if you keep trying to do everything, you're going to burn out. You're going to be really frigging depressed. You're going to hate your life and business you know, there's times that it's like that, I guess, but it doesn't need to be like that. But I'm such a frugal person. So it's hard for me to justify. At the start, it was really hard for me to justify putting someone on when I could go, I could do that. I could do this. I could do that. And, you know, you just, you're hitting a wall because yeah. that mindset is not freeing you at all to, you know, like that, that saying of, you know, you should be working on your business, not in your business. That's one thing that's Again, still to this day, some people have to remind me that because, yeah, I'm a control freak. I like to be a, because I always feel like no one understands it like me. And it's a dangerous thing, but business owners would get that mentality as well, I think. You know, I think being in business, it's a good idea that you know every aspect of it. And if you feel like that, I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like Mm -hmm. if you think that you can do the accounts better than the accountant or you can do the manufacturing better than the technical people at the back. You know, in my digital marketing agency, I feel like I'm forever pushing people out of the way. So the design shouldn't be like that, or you shouldn't be coding the page like that. And I jump in there and do that. And I, I kind of see those people's faces when they're just like, all right, you just have your like five minutes there and then just go back to doing whatever it was you were doing before. I don't know what you do over there sort of thing. Yeah. That I think the converse is, is true as well. It's really, really hard to employ people and find good people that match the culture of a business and whatnot. But tell me about what it feels like when you get the right people in place. Yeah, it's great because right now it's where I feel like finally in my business I have that a team, a power team. It feels like a weight is off your shoulders. Uh, It's actually really exciting because when you do have the right people around you, you know that the only way is up. Like, you know, you're going to grow in the right places. You know that these people that are around you really genuinely do care and they do have the skill set to help you get to those goals that you need to do. So, yeah, it's not in a way is that frustration. That's a big one, the frustration of banging your head against the wall sometimes with, you know, the team. And, you know, for me, I reflect and I say, well, obviously I didn't have the right skills to find the right people. You know, recruiting, I'm not good at that. I should have probably got Mm. recruiters on board too. But, yeah, no, mate, it is weight off the shoulders and very exciting. Yeah. What have you learned about leadership in running teams of people, particularly in a modular business like yours? Because you've got manufacturing and you've got sales, you've got marketing, and you've got Mm. the other things there. What have you learned about leading people? What have I learned about leading people? That's a good question. I've learned that everyone is different, most definitely, and everyone has different ways of... You've got to have different ways of communicating and getting things across to people. You have to be a source of inspiration for people at all times when you are trying to lead. People need to feel excited to hear your voice and your vision. And and to do that, there's you know, plenty of different ways to get around that. But I, I think, well, that's kind of what I've taken away from leadership anyway. Yeah. I discovered in leadership that dictatorship doesn't work um, no. in small business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Using the military adage of just giving people's orders to the civilian world just doesn't work. And even in the military, when, when the boss gives you orders, you're kind of like, yeah, whatever, man, I'll do that later. Um, yeah. it's, it doesn't work. You've got to use human nature and you've got to play to people's strengths and not oh, their weaknesses and help for them. For sure. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, one thing I say to people here is that 
I love everyone, man. Like I, I really do that. You know, for me, I spend most of my day with these people that I spend more time with some of these people than I do my own family. So it has to be with love and I have to treat people like they're humans. They are like my friends. So it, it, it is very, it's a tricky with that sort of managerial leadership sort of uh, way that I conduct my business because it's awkward sometimes, you know, like, because some people you have to, you know, you're responsible. You have to make people accountable sometimes too. I have to be accountable sometimes and put your hand up and say, Hey, look, I, I was wrong, whatever it may be. So when you have that emotional connection with your staff as well, that's a very, you know, you have to tread very lightly too. I, I could never be the disconnected guy with middle management that, you know, I, I, I'm very hands-on with the way I do things. And, you know, I, I think now I have a team around me that are just so happy and wanting to be here. And it's a good feeling, you know, it's yeah. a good feeling. There's a dichotomy in leadership, I think, of helping people and doing the right things and building friendships and building bonds but there's also the dichotomy exists when things don't go wrong and you need to discipline people and you need to mm. tell them how things are. And it's a real fine balancing act there. And I think that if you're not in business and you're not a business leader, I think it's one of the hardest things to learn. But once you get it right with the team, like you say, you've got your power team. And the reason mm. you've got a power team is because you've got it right. And you found that balance and that balance. I think employing people is probably the most noble thing that you could ever do as an entrepreneur. You're giving somebody an opportunity. You're helping them pay their mortgage. You're helping them with their families. And it's important yeah. to get to know people and be personal with them as well. But it's also important to find the balance of leadership and discipline to achieve the outcomes. And I think that that can be, for me personally, that's been all about intent. So long as people understand the intent, if things go a little bit sideways or they don't go wrong, you can kind of, as a leader, you can kind of shrug your shoulders and go, well, you know, you're just people. It's not perfect. Nothing's ever perfect. It's just yeah. as long as the intention is not malicious and your intention is to do the right thing and we're tracking in the right direction, it's going to be okay. Yeah, for sure, man. Relate to that. How have you found the support? China's a tough nut to crack. Have you been exporting to China? Any support from the government? Yeah, it's a good one because right now we're at that stage. So we've just heavily invested in some uh, a new facility and infrastructure to because for me, I'm a pretty calculated strategic sort of person and I didn't want to open up the doors to international business if we didn't have the infrastructure or the staff to be able to maintain or sustain it because yeah, yeah we would have crumbled. The, the volumes that we're talking about right now, we've got a really big opportunity in Shanghai. I can't really tell you who it's with, but it's for, with a, a global supermarket chain. They're about to launch into China and they're talking about 20 metric ton a month of product into Shanghai for just wow. one region of China, not, not the whole of China, just one region. So wow. for me, those opportunities, um, am, I, am I getting support from the government? Slowly. There is a, a lot of resources out there for businesses like myself, you know, Oz industry and those sort of guys are great. However, you know, it's like, it's a slow process. You've got to jump through hoops. You've got to know who to talk to, who not to talk to. There's a lot of red tape, you know, exporting product, especially if it's, um, dairy or something along those lines you got to get audited it licensed approved and help <laughs> certificates and then your intellectual property and getting your trademarks over there you know like it's it's a beast and it's if you go in there half ass you're going to come back with your tail between your legs and i didn't want to be that i watched a lot of brands going in there everyone gets excited about china oh look if we can capture one percent of the population oh we're going to make millions look i'm happy making millions in australia i don't need to go to china right now so like yeah that's 
international growth is on the cards for us most definitely and we are now getting support from like grants as well there's some really cool grants out there going at the moment which we're tapping into but you know for me again it comes down to research and making sure that when we do enter that country we know exactly what we're doing and especially how do we actually sell it to these people because the Chinese or any other nationality, like every country is different. Every, every way that you communicate your brand and your product, it has to, it's not Aussie. Aussies are totally different to everyone else. So that's what we're doing right now. Like we're understanding our market before we just jump in. It, it has to be an all-in proposition before you go into any other market, even mm. if you're exploring another product or another service inside your own business. I think I've heard that a lot about the Chinese market. I talk to a lot of different business owners, particularly exporters, and the way that I can sum it up in two words for you, all those things that you said, because it's a beast. It is a beast. That's a really accurate description. I like that a lot. I'm going to borrow that too, by the way. <laughs> um, I think the way you describe it is it's an exciting headache. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, <laughs> the opportunity definitely. is so giant, but actually to get to that opportunity is just a, a massive, massive headache. Yes. Yeah. I just want to shift gears a little bit with you, Matt, as mm. we come to the close of the interview. The guy that I'm speaking to here now is the Matt that I'm seeing and that I'm, I'm getting to know, and he's got this really cool story. Who was the Matt 18 months ago? Who? The Matt 18 months ago. All right. I'll be honest with that. The Matt 18 months ago was really disenchanted, really unhappy, absolutely unhappy with, I would say more, yeah, probably 16 months ago. I, I was in a dark place, mate, to be honest. I, I felt like I'd bitten off more than I could chew. I was, I was trying to start a new company. <laughs> um, when I, I, my existing company was just going crazy and, you know, like, fine. <laughs> I'm just like a, you know, when I climb a mountain, I see the one in the distance and I'm always trying to get to that next one and next one and next one. And that's a dangerous thing for people, that personality, because if you don't practice gratitude and you don't just sit with it and put a roof on it, you can start getting really displeased with anything that you're trying to achieve. So I was going through that. So I'm, I'm just, I was trying to just keep going, going, going. And I was burning out. I was not happy with the balance of my life. My love, my, my relationship was suffering. My son, you know, like everyone around me. But I was such, I was so in my tunnel that I couldn't see it, and I became so disconnected from the world around me and everyone. So the map back then was going through a bit of a tough stage. I even, I even put on a GM. I had an offer from a, a business looking to buy buy us out, and that was on the table for a little while there. And I was seriously considering it. And it was only because my head was so clouded with emotion and, you know, I wasn't happy with what I was doing. So, yeah, big, big personal growth since that stage and with the business as well. I kind of, again, hit a, hit a spot where I was like, okay, you really need to face this. You really need to deal with it. How are you going to do it? What do you actually want out of this? And it's been a lot of personal growth from that stage. So, yeah. You feeling better? Now? Mate, I'm serious, I was saying to someone this morning, <laughs> I've never felt so good in my life right now. Like, yeah, you as seem of, like a really happy, outgoing sort of guy. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? That's not... This is, that's not <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, man, that's life though. Like, we, we pretend social media is a great tool, I think, you know, for us to escape. We paint this picture that life's perfect and we get so caught up in comparing ourselves to others. Yeah. And it just it's just a cycle of negative shit, to be honest, I think, personally, <laughs> because 
you start, you know, questioning, why isn't my life like that? Why aren't I perfect? How come my relationship can't be like my mates? He's always happy on social, you know, and, and just in life, we pretend so much. But if we were all so vulnerable and honest with each other, I think we, there'd be such, we wouldn't feel as alone. And I think we'd get through a lot of our stuff together. And even with strange mate, like, I don't even know you. And probably there's going to be hundreds of people listening to this right now. <laughs> and like, you know, for me to just be on vulnerable and say, hey, look, sometimes life's shit, sometimes so good. Yeah, that's the truth. And if we go into life thinking life's perfect, we're going to be always going to be sad with it. Like, that's the reality. So yeah, You don't want to set yourself up for an emotional fall like that at all. No. So that's, that's really great news that you kind of turned the corner there and you recognize what's the next 12 months look like for you? Travel, mate. Family, uh, a lot more time with loved ones. So I've kind of been working on a lot more balance with my life again. Cool. I'm going to do a solo trip. Uh, I'm also going to do a Euro trip with my, my mum and my son. And then next year, I'm, um, yeah, I'm looking at doing another venture, some sort of venture. I can't really talk about it right now, but some exciting new things happening here. And yeah, again, a little bit more travel and hopefully some family stuff as in maybe a uh, marriage and maybe some kids, who knows, mate. Exciting new chapter. <laughs> very, very, very exciting things ahead of you. So tell me, you're, you're really busy with family, travel coming up, plans and business and whatnot. What do you do on a daily basis to help you bring yourself to bring an A game every day? Definitely get up and go for a run. That's my thing for me. I, I get up around six-ish, empty stomach and just start running. And I go, you know, maybe if it's one or two, 3K, whatever it may be, it's, it, I find it gives me a lot of clarity. And I start my day with a lot of energy and a lot of clear thought. That's definitely a habit that I have now. And it's something that I, I live by. Yeah. Nice one. I've been bookending my day with cardio. Like yeah. you, I've been doing, I train like first thing in the morning as well. And I'm an early riser as well. Maybe a little bit earlier, sort of 4.35-ish. Sure, that's, that's, yeah. that's body <laughs> clock. That's not an alarm. That's just body clock. But yeah, I also right. bookend my day as well as the last thing that I do when I feel tired and feel like I'm want to go to bed i go and put my shoes on and go and down to the gym because it's winter time be cold running outside at night time but i'll run for 35 40 minutes and mm. then come home empty stomach same you know just drink a, a, a whole lot of water and then first thing in the morning when i wake up i'm doing that cardio as well have mm. a crack at that man that's like unbelievable how far your fitness advances in a really short space of time because of the recovery time is just in bed and go and do it again so yeah, really nice. If you like the morning ones like that, try the morning and evening as the first thing and the last thing that you do. It's really very, very cool. I have to give that a crack for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on the show and sharing all of that story with us. You've got a couple of go all in stories there and it sounds like you've got a couple more coming up. I'd love to revisit the next opportunity coming around the corner in the next year. And we'll bring you back on to talk about that. If you're looking for a little plug or some PR, we can help you with that as well where can people find out more about you yeah i'm pretty famous man so you can no i'm joking um <laughs> you so, are now yeah. <laughs> well yeah uh, you can find me on linkedin matt stallone uh you can also my couple of my businesses so protein supplies australia if you google that um botanica blends and integrity food co they're all the three sort of entities that i'm heavily involved in they're my companies so if you look all those up, you'll be able to work out what I do and what we do here. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. I'll make sure all of those links are included 
in the show notes for the listeners. And if you haven't subscribed to the Go All In podcast already, please go ahead in iTunes and subscribe or find us on your favorite podcasting app and hit that subscribe button there as well. And if you like what you're hearing, or maybe you don't like what you're hearing, we'd love to hear a comment or two from you. So please, if you could leave a review, that would be really helpful as well. Well, that wraps up another interview for today. Thanks again, Matt, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, mate. And we'll look forward to speaking with you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks, mate.